tonight I want to share for just a, a few minutes uh, just about prayer. Um, I want to encourage you to stoke your prayer life. Um, you know, I started out in, in church 18 years, but really didn't know how to pray and uh, really didn't walk very closely to the Lord. And I found out most people really struggle um, you know, with their prayer life. And I, I really, I'm going to go in detail. I've got so much to share. Every night, Monday through Friday, I'll share a little tidbit of something. And I'll be sharing some of that, of how, how to get that going. But uh, I want to hone in on one particular avenue tonight. And, uh, and that is m- most people don't really understand or even see the real need to do a whole lot of praying because they have this ideology in their head. And it's a religious ideology that is not completely correct. Part of it is, but a lot of it isn't. Uh, God, how many know God transcends uh, tra- creation? That is, God lives outside of what he created. So, so overarchingly, God is the authority of the universe. How would, many would say yes to that? So um, having said that, when God created uh, this planet to, to, to be a habit, habitat for life and, and then created us in his image so we could fellowship with him, uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 27 is very clear that God gave a measure. I want you to hear, I've said this so many times. God gave a measure of his all authority to the human race when he created them in Adam and Eve. And he told them to have dominion over all the various components of the earth creation. And so do, he didn't say have dominion over the planets and the stars. God's taking care of all that. God's got the universe. But when he created earth, he gave it to us. And then we're his under rulers, as it were. So he bequeathed. See, keep it in context because you could get this out of context and make a mess. In context, he gave us a measure of his all authority oversee this planet. And the uncanny thing that happened when Adam and Eve sinned is that the authority that God had bequeathed to humanity was immediately given away. It was given away to the spirit entity that they yielded to when they yielded to sin. And that was uh, Lucifer, Satan. He's got a number of names in the scriptures. But he became, uh, the apostle Paul said, little g, the God of this world in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus uh, called him uh, John fourteen thirty the prince of this world. The prince of this world uh, comes and has nothing in me. First uh, John five nineteen. The whole earth is under the embrace of the evil one. Uh, how did that happen? Jesus in his wilderness temptations. Jesus said to him. Uh, it took him to the top of a, of a tall building in in Jerusalem, and and just had him look at all around him and say, "See all this." All this has been given to me. That is the authority of the kingdoms of the world has been given unto me and I give it to whomever I will. You just fall down and worship me. I'll give it to you. And Jesus said, you're crazy. Of course, he didn't do it. Uh, And part of what Satan said was true. He had been given. He had been given authority over the kingdoms of the world. But he always has a twist to what he says. And there's a big lie in the middle of it. So nonetheless, I want you to see that the scripture is very, very clear the prince of the power there, the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience, uh, Ephesians 2, verse 2, Ephesians 6, uh, 12, we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. So Satan has a legal right to be here, and that's what we've got to understand. Most believers think, well, because God is the authority and uh, because he's overseeing our lives and because Every day of our life is written in this book before we were born, Psalm 139. 
um, in his providence. He knows all, sees all, knows everything ahead of time. So he's got my whole life mapped out. All I need to do is just kind of sit back and just let her happen. If you do that, you're going to have problems. Across the board, you're going to have problems. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. I'm come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So there is a thief let loose. So, so bad things that happen to believers, it's, it's the enemy trying to whip your tail. He's trying to take you out. He wants to maim you. He wants to keep you from obeying God and doing what he wants you to do. And then he wants to get people angry at God when bad things happen because most people think nothing can happen to you except it comes through the hands of God. No, a lot of times bad things happen because we give them permission because we don't stoke our prayer life. Right? So you just got to think on it. Now, if you got a religiously trained mind, that is upsetting for me to say that. And, and people will take offense at what I just said. If you have a religious mind instead of a biblical mind, okay? So, so I said all that to say what happens in your life is going to be determined by your prayer life. Whether or not the will of God is accomplished, whether or not God's purposes and plans are fulfilled in you and your immediate surroundings is really has more to do with you than anything else. Yes, the Lord has, has you in his hand, and yes, he's perhaps had ancestors praying for you, and he's had a lot of people praying for you, and maybe uh, in our slackness, it's amazing how the Holy Ghost can talk to other people because you are slack self, and they're helping you because they're praying for you. There's a lot to cover there, right? So anyway, my, my, my whole point tonight is to help us to understand we have a personal responsibility in prayer. How many here understand that? Now, having said that, I'm just going to read this really rapidly, and I'm watching the clock as well, but um, Jesus, okay, this wasn't true. Why, why did Jesus have to spend whole nights in prayer? Why was he constantly and regularly leaving ministry, going to a solitary place and praying? Why did he do that? Why did Jesus, after a whole night of prayer, it took a whole night, then, then the next day he chose his 12 disciples. See, Jesus laid aside the kenosis of Christ, Philippians 2. He laid aside his God power, not his office, but his, his, the power of his office he laid it aside. And, and Jesus became a man. He lived within his creation. So he submitted himself to, to the laws that govern this earth. And he submitted himself to a human body. And he submitted himself and lived the way we live. And, and to do that, he exemplified how we have to live. And that is, he, the basis for his life was praying. And my urge, strong urge tonight, let the basis of your life be your prayer life. And it takes time to develop that. But I can tell you, it's amazing what happens if you will. So let's listen to this, Mark. One, Y'all Okay. Mark 135, um, this is English Standard Version here, all these for some reason. Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed, went out to a desolate place, and there prayed. You'll find praying without distraction, you've got to get away from others where they're wanting to talk to you, particularly get away from that cell phone and stuff. And Mark 14, 23, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When the evening came, he was there alone. Mark six forty six, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up onto a mountain to pray. Uh, Luke six twelve. In those days, he went out to a mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Luke nine twenty eight. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter, John, and James, and went up in a mountain to pray. He was teaching his disciples how to pray. 
Luke, 5, Luke 11, 1, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So he was, see, it's a custom of his. That's what I'm wanting you to see. Luke 5, 15 and 16, now even more, the report of him went abroad. Great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities, but he would with, but he would withdraw himself. The idea behind that is he would regularly, consistently, every opportunity he f- could find, he would withdraw himself to desolate places and pray. Luke twenty two thirty nine. He came out, went as was as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. The first time Jesus went to the Mount of Olives wasn't just before. Uh, and, and, and to Gethsemane wasn't just before he went to the cross. He'd been doing that a lot, and they were accustomed to going there, right? So John six fifteen. lastly, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force, make him a king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Now see, again, see, Jesus withdrew again. So his regular custom was getting off by himself. So, so here's the skinny. If, if, if Jesus saw it necessary to get off by himself as the Son of God in human form and pray about life's details, are, are, should we think that we need to? Question. Am I going to get the results I want in life if I do not pray? Answer that question for yourself. All right? I mean, listen, tough things happen, y'all. And we're in a battle. And right now, that, that he's, uh, the enemy's up the ante. And, and I'm just telling you, here's something I've noticed, and I can't go too far with any of this. I'm watching the clock. Uh, a, a lot of leaders have been taken out. Have you noticed? Huh? Pastors. Uh, do you think I think about that? Uh-huh. I do. You say, well, what do I do about it? I don't fear but I stand my ground and I'm not going to let up. You know I mean? You've got to keep your armor on and you've got to stay stirred up. I know we got, uh, here's Bo, I heard, heard his voice. You know, if you're in the, if you're in the armed forces, you're on the, you're on the main line of battle. You can't let up. I don't care how you feel. You can't stop. And if somebody's not watching, if you've got to take a nap, somebody better be watching for you. And that's the way we are right now in the world. That's where we are. So I, my encouragement, I'm not joking when I say, y'all, I have upped the ante in lots of ways. If you keep coming night after night, I share about how I've done that because it's become really, really strong for me. I'm watching. So here we are. If Jesus needed to do this, we did. Hebrews 5, 7, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers, supplications with loud cries and tears. That means he was in travail. He was praying. With loud cries and tears. If you could have heard, if it was a dark night and Jesus was up in the mountains in a desolate place, you might could have heard him wailing, crying out, crying out for humanity, crying out for the Israelites, crying out for the religious people, crying out for those in bondage, crying out for those who were infirm, crying out for those who were devil possessed, crying out for those who, who were caught up in their own world. And, uh, 
With loud cries and tears, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications to him who was able to save him from death and he was heard because of his reverence. And then Hebrews, right on the heels of that, this is so good, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So then we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. I love the um, um, contemporary English version here. Whenever we are in need, we should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. There we will be treated with undeserved kindness. Isn't that great? And we will find help. Hebrews 4.16. Amplified is really choice. Let us then fearlessly, confidently, and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need. And I love the brackets. Appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. That's just choice. Uh, we'll find that we would be less stressful. The more you pray, the less stress you have. Uh, the more you pray, the less fear you have. Sometimes the more you pray, the more problems crop up, but the answers come. Uh, sometimes the more you pray, the more God says, I want you to do this and this and this, because he knows he can trust you. So with prayer comes responsibility. But if you don't pray, then the enemy can make inroads and hinder your life. How many hear me? So I want to, uh, there's a book that I have read, I don't even know how many times. I think I got this book in, in 1977. <clears throat> it's by Reuben A. Torrey, copyright 1900. The title of the book is How to Pray. I have it on my iPad, uh, Kindle. It's available digitally now. But I've had it for many years, and here's what he said. I've got a few quotes on how to pray, from how to pray. Some men are so busy, when he says men is generic for mankind, some men are so busy they find no time for prayer, apparently, the busier Christ's life was, the more he prayed. Sometimes he had no time to eat. Sometimes he had no time to, for needed rest and sleep. And he gives the scripture notations there. But he always took time to pray. The more the work crowded, the more he prayed. Many a mighty man, and again, you could say woman of God, has learned this secret from Christ that when work has crowded more than usual, they have set an unusual amount of time apart for prayer. Other men of God, once mighty, lost their power because they did not learn the secret, this secret, and allowed increasing work to crowd out prayer. Um, several of these older men of God, like John Wesley, you know, Charles Finney, others, would often get up, and as a Bible school guy in 1977, we, we read about them, you know. <clears throat> you know, uh, see, uh, one of these guys, I'll have to go ahead and look at my notes and reference it, but uh, he would get up, if he had a lot of work, he would get up four hours early and pray for four hours. So we Bible school guys figured that out and read that, you know, read the notation about it and said, well, we're going to get up at 4.30. We're going to pray for four hours till 8.30. Well, guess what? At 5 o'clock, we were all snoring. You got to just discipline yourself. Anyway, it was really funny. Um, here's another. Let me see. Let me see. Here we are. Here's another um, quotation from R.A. Torrey. Um, Jesus' prayer life actually brought him, brought him to the greatest crisis of his life and 
And that was uh, to the cross. So, you know, your, your prayer life will take you right into the will of God regardless of what that is. I can tell you at the age I am now, my prayer life has brought me up to where I am now. And uh, it's been lots of nooks and crannies along the way, but it's really been amazing. Uh, I want you to notice again what R.E. Torrey says. He's speaking of Jesus here as he drew nearer and nearer to the cross and realized that upon it uh, was to come the great final test of his life. Jesus went out into the garden to pray. He came unto the place called Gethsemane. That means the place of crushing. That's what the word means. And saith unto his disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. The victory of Calvary was won that night in the garden of Gethsemane. The calm majesty of his bearing and meeting the awful onslaughts of Pilate's judgment hall and of Calvary was the outcome of the struggle, agony, and victory of Gethsemane. While Jesus prayed, the disciples slept, and so he stood fast while they fell ignominiously. Then he goes on to say, many temptations come upon us unawares and unannounced, and all that we can do is lift a cry to God for help then and there. But many of the temptations of life we can see approaching from the distance. And in such cases, the victory should be won before the temptations really reach us. Did you hear what I just said? So uh, I want to encourage all of us, take some extra time. I've learned to do this in life. Um, my mother, years ago, my mother prays a lot. She lives with us and uh, she came to Jesus in 19, well, she came to Jesus as a young child, but um, she got filled with the Holy Spirit in 1975 and it transformed her life. And uh, she started praying a lot. And here years ago, I, we talk about something. I'd never heard anybody say this, and I think this is her little term. She said, well, Mitch, I pray a lot of pre-prayers. I said, what's pre-prayer? And she says, I'm, and here's, and I don't, you know, when I first came to the Lord, my mother, you know, she would know stuff about me. She knew I was called to minister before I did. And, um, and she would know a lot of things about me. And I finally had to go up to her one day. I came to Jesus in 1976. I did this maybe 19, I don't know, 77, 78. I said, Mama, I can't ride your coattails to heaven. And uh, if you know something about me, don't tell me. Because I, I need to get it from heaven, not you. You can't guide me in life. Jesus got to guide me. And that's just the way she was. But I'll tell you, she would know things about me and know things about Even now, if there's somebody going to die in the family, she knows it. If somebody's going through something, she'll mention their name. And I can't tell you how many times she's mentioned some of your names. Oh, yeah. Not that you're going to die. And that's not the context. <laughs> but that. <laughs> that sounded weird, didn't it? <laughs> she's in our family, I'm saying. I mean, she's honestly, she's seen people. She sees the funeral before it happens. She sees the problem before it happens. She sees the hospital before they go there. And then oftentimes she'll feel a person's problem. And that's when she's, Mitch, is there somebody in your church named so-and-so? I say, yes. He said, well, I'm praying for him. And it wasn't anything bad. You're not going to die. You're not going to go to the hospital. I'm just that she would sense something. And I said, well, yeah. Yeah, I know somebody named that. And uh, she would know things about wars on the other side of the world. Um, I've been in missions trips 18 times, 17, 18 nations. She's prayed me out all kind of holes that I've somehow got myself in. So anyway, prayer life. My encouragement in prayer is this. Uh, take time and, and let this fasting time do this. Pray about, do you, question, do you pray about every single thing in your life? Now, that takes time to do that. that that's not easy to do. Now, um, now, I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit since 1976, September 12th, uh, and I do a lot of praying in the Spirit, i.e. praying in other tongues, but I don't do all my praying that way. If you do all your praying that way, you're copping out, and you're lazy. I don't know how else to say it. 
you got to pray both ways. You got to pray logically, intelligently. You got to pray in the spirit. Value in both, and I'll talk about the latter, praying in the spirit later. But pray about every single thing in your life. Pray about your. Pray about every. Pray about everything in life. You name it. Pray about it. Pray. Pray about. Pray about your growth in God. Pray about your mind, your emotions, your will, your body. Pray about your choices. Pray about what you're doing. Pray about your job. Pray about your family, your finances. Pray about your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren that aren't even born yet. Pray, pray about the circumstances you find. Pray about your neighborhood, your car. Pray about, your, pray, pray about this week, what you're doing, the plans you have, the things on your calendar. Do you see what I'm saying? Pray, pray about every single thing that you can think of to pray about things that you know are coming up. If you have events coming up in the next few months, pray about them ahead of time. Those are the pre-prayer. Pray it ahead of time. I learned when I went on the mission field, we, we encountered so many problems that, that I said, well, you know, I'm going to change my tune. So I started praying about every dimension of these trips. We'd go on, you know, two-week trips go to whatever, go to India. I've been all over India, uh, Africa. We've got 12 churches there. I've been to Siberia, been to Europe. And uh, anyway, all those trips, you know, you pray ahead of time about ministry, pray ahead of time about meeting people, pray ahead of time about the people you're ministering to. If you pray ahead of everything, you're going to be better off. And then if you pray ahead of time and ask God, see, what are you doing? You're exercising faith. And you're giving God, you're expanding your horizons and allowing God to do things in your life. Get it? Pray for your friends. Pray for people in your life. Um, uh, have li- I mean, hey, make lists. It's fine. But, but pray. You get what I'm saying? Does that sound like a lot to do? Yes or no? It is a lot to do. Okay, so if all you do and spend in five minutes... You ain't doing it. <laughs> Having said that, I started out praying one minute at a time. But then, you know, you know and I thought I hung them in. Aren't you proud of me, God? One minute, woo! <laughs> then, then five minutes and ten, you know, then it's not the time. Don't misunderstand me. Um, but pray. I, I've learned you can pray driving. You can pray walking. I go on long well, I'm going Tonight I'm going on a two-mile walk. I'll probably do some praying tonight while I'm walking. Before I go to bed, that's just what I do, that's me. Uh, just find times to pray and eke it out, uh, you know, be wise with your time. So does that make sense to everybody? I, I've got to stop there next time, and I've got so many. I was going to give you all these, these scriptures. Basis of prayer is, is the word, and you can't pray with confidence. Most people don't pray with a lot of confidence because they've heard all of their lives. Sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no. And then sometimes they don't say a thing. And then they don't have any confidence that if they really pray something, that it's going to be answered. I expect answers to prayer. Specific things. Now, there's some ways of praying where you're interceding for others, and, and, and that's a different element. When you're praying about yourself, things in your own life, you expect God to answer prayer. How many hear me? So to do that, you've got to have faith that he will. And I've got scripture, a lot of them. There's about 18 a day that I go over. And when I wake up at night, they roll inside my head and I just meditate them. Uh, During the day, I meditate them. I say them out loud because if you don't keep your faith built up in prayer, then then you won't believe that God will answer. There's so many negatives around. Does that make sense? And I know you got, well, what do you do if, 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 if the answer doesn't come? There's lots of things to talk about. I'm just giving you some small parameters. The encouragement tonight is stoke your prayer life. How many feel stoked?